so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. My name is Nick, I'm the pastor here at YCBC. It's a privilege um, to uh, be entrusted with that role. Um, And so uh, I'm going to pray uh, once more and then we're going to come to the Word and what I uh, believe that God's releasing us into for this year. Um, So I encourage you to pray with me uh, as we pray this morning. So Father, we thank you for the worship we've just had. We thank you for the time and opportunity we've had to praise your name in song and glorify you. Mm, We thank you for the opportunity to linger in your presence. And so this morning as we come to your word and as we uh, think about what are we launching into this year as a church, uh, I pray that um, it wouldn't just be my words, uh, my empty human words, Lord, but your spirit would uh, speak to each of us, um, to the core of our being this morning. I pray that we'd be inspired for what you have for us this year by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've called today Launch Sunday. So you might be thinking, well, why Launch Sunday? Um, Well, for uh, those who are not a few years into being a part of this church, part of the rhythm that we have is that we have a quiet January. We, 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 We call it our summer series. We put on hold, we pause all of our kind of extra outside of a Sunday morning ministries like Life Group. Uh, like, um, you know, uh, other things, youth groups and things that happen outside of a Sunday. And our Sunday mornings are, are stripped back. We just have had one or sometimes two people leading worship and kids' church spent often. We, we just call it a, essentially a Sabbath month. It's a, a month of rest. And so this Sunday is the day that we, we really start uh, our, our ministry and our mission for, for the year, and this year being uh, 2020. And so today's the launch of our, our ministry and our, and our mission together as a church for this year, in a sense. Um, and so I just want to talk about, well, what are we launching into? Well, if we're launching, what are we launching into? A rocket launches out of this atmosphere into space. But what are we launching into? We're not launching into space, uh, but, but we're launching into a year of ministry and mission. And so today's when our awesome kids' church uh, starts up for the year and uh, the kids are excited about that and even the kids' church teachers, I saw a couple yesterday and they were excited to, to, to get going for kids' church for the year. It's, it's the time when our life groups uh, are starting up and getting going for the year. Youth group will be back on soon, the combined youth group that we do where we're going to be back into Kids Hope uh, in the, in the uh, public school just down the road, yes, public school. And so it's the time of year where things, uh, those ministries that we're involved in, those missions that we're involved in together as a church get going. And so I encourage you to be praying for those. Uh, this, is a, this is a time of year where we're kicking into gear. It's a little bit like uh, if, you, if you're a regular runner and you have a month off running, that, that first run, uh, I don't know about you, but my first run, I don't feel as adept at running as I did like when I was regularly running. And it's a little bit like that as people get back into ministry and mission, as they, uh, our mentors uh, get back into Kids Hope uh, this week and the coming weeks, uh, mentoring children at the, the public school, there, there's relationships to be kind of rekindled there or some of those will be new relationships. So I encourage you to pray about Kids Hope. As Kids Church starts again this morning, uh, it's, it's been a, over a month since kids have been out in Kids Church and have been in that routine and so there might be some extra challenges 
for our kids' church teachers this morning, so I encourage you to be praying for that and, and for everything that we're launching into. There's also some new things, and these are in the works, um, that, that we want to launch into this year. I want to hopefully see our, our pastoral ministry uh, and, and a past, proper pastoral ministry team formed and that effectively caring for the church a bit better. I would love to see something more on offer for our teenagers on a Sunday morning. So we've got a Friday youth group, but we're in conversation with some mums and hopefully some teenagers soon and some dads about, well, what should we do on a Sunday morning to, to be helping our, our teenagers engage? Uh, we're, we're looking at our kind of community care and well, what, what can we do more to love each other practically? Um, Carl and I are chatting about, well, what can we do this year to help each other, help in our personal evangelism? And we're just thinking around the idea of each one reaching one. What's that look like and how do we equip and empower one another to be reaching people for Jesus in our personal lives and work lives and outside this? It's a year where we, we need to explore what's going to happen building-wise. We've got a bit of space in here, and, um, but if we were to pop out, and we won't do it this morning because they're trying to get into a routine of kids' church, but if we pop out of the side rooms, we might think, oh, not so much space in here for the number of people that are in there. And so it's a year where we're launching into that conversation for real about uh, our building and, and what's a way forward there. But it's also a year of launching into what does God have for us as a church. Uh, And so I want to take some time this morning to talk about vision. Uh, And my working title for this morning, I'll admit to you, was Vision Sunday 2.0. Because as it turned out, in the end of November, I picked a really bad Sunday for Vision Sunday. Um, Many people were away, not because they aren't encouraged and inspired by vision, but because like School Spectacular was on and a whole bunch of other things were on. So uh, I won't apologise for it, but I will let you know, a lot of where we're going to go this morning is where we went on Vision Sunday. And, and it's appropriate, I think, to, to relaunch into what's God got for us this year. And so the vision or the word that I believe God's got for us as a church this year is... Uh, we have to wait for it up there, but you can turn around and look at the banner on the back wall, uh, is Abide. And so I'm going to spend some time talking about that, but whenever we talk about vision, uh, I want to touch on a little bit more deeply, what is, what is the mission and vision of this church? What, what is the kind of unique identity and, and mission and vision God has given to us to impact our local community? So we're going to get to Abide, we're going to get to what does that look like for this year, but... I want to talk big picture mission and vision for a moment. So you can find this on our website if you're um, so inclined. There's a click, find out more about us. Um, if you're using the version notes this morning, there's a link to it in there. But, but our mission as a church is this, that Yes Community Baptist Church, YCBC exists to be a caring community of redeemed, that, that word kind of just basically means saved, we're redeemed by Jesus, we're redeemed people who love and worship God, follow Jesus, are empowered by the Holy Spirit and believe in the authority of the Bible. But it's this last sentence that's kind of about what's, what's the direction of it? What, what are we called to do? What's our mission? Who are we? We're called to be the tangible presence of Jesus and his witnesses in the Yass Valley and beyond. And so that, that's, that's the mission of the church. And so each year we have a word or a phrase that kind of we, gives shapes to our focus for the year... But we believe year after year after year, this is, this is who God's called us to be. 
to be his hands and feet, his tangible presence in this community and beyond. And so that's who we are and, and there's kind of four visions, four kind of areas that we, we, we pursue in terms of being that vision. One's connecting and engaging the local community and making disciples. One's being a place of healing or a community of healing. It's not so much about the building. One's affecting positive change in our community and one's been a part of God's mission beyond local. And so when we think about connecting and engaging and disciple-making, we strive, we, we want to be a healthy and growing church that is both connected and engaged with the local community. Part of Benny's tangible presence means we're not kind of huddled away here in a shed with no interaction with the local community. We want to be connected and engaged. And, and through acting as witnesses of God's love and, and sharing the gospel, we hope to see people become disciples of Jesus. We want to see them be baptised and, and we want to see them grow to maturity in faith. We want to be connected, engaged with the community and we want to see people come to Jesus. When we think about being a place or a community of healing, it's our hope to be a place of spiritual, physical, emotional and relational healing in the name of Jesus through practical care and through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And so place doesn't mean, again, building it. It's, it's who we are together. We want to be a community where people who come into connection with us are healed through the love and care they experience and also through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. As uh, Paul said to the church in Ephesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So connecting, engaging, disciple-making, being a place of healing. I'm looking this way because it's too small on the back screen for me. But we also want to be about affecting positive change in our community. And so we long to see the local community become a better place. We're not saying it's a bad place. We love yes. But we want to see it become an even better place. So we seek to actively bring the kingdom of God, because God loves yes as well in the Yas Valley, into our local community and to lovingly invest into the lives of people within it. We desire to influence and equip people towards positive personal change that impacts the whole community. And so we want to see disciples made. We want to see people healed, but we also want to see the town we live in blessed and become an even better place. And finally, we want to think about God's mission beyond local. And so it's our vision to be engaged in God's mission, not just locally, but also beyond our local community across Australia and globally. And so there's a few ways that we're involved in that through partnerships and through giving. And so... The bottom line of that is essentially, it's not about us. Our mission, our vision is outward focused. We're called to be the tangible presence of Jesus. And Jesus himself said, I came not to be served, but to serve. The purpose of the church isn't to serve the church. It's for the benefit of others. And so uh, this quote, and I forget the name of the person it's attributed to, it's, an, it's a, a bishop from many years ago, uh, but he said, the church is one of the few institutions that exist for the benefit of those who are not yet part of it. It's not the only one. There's lots of positive community groups, but, but the point is the church exists not primarily for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those who are not yet a part of it. We often talk about here that there are at least 6,000 people in Yass, not even thinking Yass Valley, but Yass, who aren't actively engaged in faith in Jesus. That's obviously a rough number and there's you know, 
people who are not connected with the church that would have a faith in Jesus and there's people that come to church every Sunday that maybe don't have a real faith in Jesus but the point is the number is large of those that we want to seek to benefit through through those kind of four ways of being the tangible presence of Jesus. I want to say there's enormous benefit for being a part of the local church. There's such a blessing to be a part of a community that cares for one another and loves one another and and serves one another. There's so much blessing for being a part of a local church, but that's not our, our primary purpose and vision. It's to reach those who are not yet a part of it. And so that's the area that, that as a church we're called to be fruitful. That's what we launch into. It's not just kids' church on a Sunday morning, which, which is such a, a blessing. It's, it's not just kids' hope. It's not just the things that perpetuate. But, but what we really are launching into is, is that mission and vision to benefit, to reach, to be the tangible presence to those who are not yet a part of the church, not yet disciples of Jesus. And so when we think about this year, though, it's not just a a launching into a year of of doing. Because the danger of having kind of those directional mission and, and vision statements is we can fall in the trap of Ben on the hamster wheel and it's all about doing, 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 doing. Uh, and, and so as I was praying about this year as a church and ran this by a few of our other leaders, just got this strong sense that, that this year, especially with much of those things to launch into and, and new things that we feel we need to address and launch into as a church, this is a year where we need to launch into seeking to learn to grow in what it means to abide in Jesus in a deeper way. And so in John 15, 5, one of the verses that Tony read for us this morning, it says, I am the vine, that's Jesus. You are the branches, that's us. He he makes our position in the order of things very clear. And he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, In in the King James or the New King James, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So the, the previous one was the NIV, sorry. Uh, This is the New King James. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He and she who abides in me and I in them bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so I share that translation because that's where we capture this word abide from. We are called to abide in Jesus. The focus of this whole passage, though, is fruitfulness. In John 15, 1 and 2, Jesus says, I am the true vine. So this comes before verse 5, obviously. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus is is saying here that the Father desires fruitfulness. The branches that aren't fruitful are cut off, removed, I would say of their own volition. They've chosen to to withdraw themselves from God. But those that are fruitful are trimmed and pruned and nurtured and cared for so that they'll be more fruitful. 
jumping down to the other side of John 15, 5, where Jesus says to uh, remain or abide in him, he says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so it glorifies God when we're fruitful. Jesus desires, the Father desires, the Spirit desires and enables fruitfulness in our lives. And so our vision as a church, our mission as a church is to be fruitful. There are things to accomplish, things to take place where we're called to be fruitful in the space of the 6,000 that don't know him. Elsewhere, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. I believe that's true of Yas, that the harvest in Yas is plentiful. And perhaps the workers may be few, but, but Jesus has prayed to the Lord of the harvest that he might raise up workers. And so my prayer this morning is that, that God raises us all up as workers for the harvest field. It's interesting that you know, we're, we're very familiar with the phrase of, that Jesus says in, in this same context, the way that you love one another shows yourself to be my disciples. But uh, we're less perhaps familiar with repeating that if we bear much fruit, that's also something that shows ourselves to be his disciple. It's part of who we're called to be. But the reason abiding is so important is, is to jump back to the centre of that passage uh, and, and I confess this is a Nick mashup of translations because the NIV uh, is more inclusive in its language of male and female but we're going with the word abide so I've slipped it in there. Jesus says, abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and that's obvious, we know that. A branch cut off from a vine and, and separated from any source of nourishment does not bear fruit. It must remain in the vine. Jesus says, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. So we're called to bear much fruit. And, and Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we're called to be fruitful. Our mission as a church, our vision as a church is to be fruitful. But our fruitfulness comes from our connection with Jesus. Just as the fruitfulness of a, of a grapevine, as it's connection its fruitfulness comes from being connected to the trunk to the true vine our fruitfulness comes from being connected with jesus and and, and jesus emphasizes the reverse of that point here as well because we might think yeah if we, if we remain in jesus if we abide in him if we're connected with him yes we'll bear much fruit but surely you know I can just really put in the effort and achieve something of my own. Surely if I try and make a go of it, I can achieve something. But Jesus says there is no fruitfulness for those who are not abiding in him. So 
Sometimes there might be things, there might be stuff that flows out of our life that, that on the surface of it looks fruitful. Even others might think it's fruitful. They might think, oh, that guy Nick, he gets it done. Look at all he's achieved. But it might just all be empty doing unless I'm remaining in Jesus. And that's the irony. We, we can be so busy doing for Jesus that we're not prioritizing abiding with Jesus. And Jesus said, well then, you cannot be fruitful. Even if our greatest desire in life, our, our mission, we've got the best mission statements. I'm not saying we have the best mission statements. They're, they're words. But even if you have the best mission statement and vision statement for your life and, and you've got the best work ethic and you work really, really hard at it, if you're not abiding in Jesus, you can achieve nothing of real fruitfulness. Full stop. No caveats. No subpoints. No other resource than Jesus that will allow for fruitfulness in and through our lives. And so it's not through striving, it's not through busyness, it's not through anxious toil, it's not through social media campaigns, it's not through programs that our fruitfulness comes and some of those are good things, some of those are less helpful, some of that's the vehicle through which Jesus will achieve fruitfulness in our life. Programs aren't bad... Our kids' program is great. Our kids' hope program is great. Youth group's great. Life groups are fantastic. If you're not in a life group, talk to me and we'll get you into one. They're all great. Programs are great, but unless the source, unless the, the origin, unless what that program lives and breathes on is abiding in Jesus, they won't be fruitful. They're a tool. They're not divine. Abiding in Jesus is what leads to fruitfulness. And so in 2020, my invitation for us as a church is to launch into a year of abiding in Jesus and His love as our primary vision and focus. A year of pursuing deeper intimacy and connection with Jesus, to, to launch into a year where we pursue and desire and pray for a greater awareness of His presence and love in our own lives, both on a Sunday morning when we're here together and in every other minute of every day in our own lives, pursuing that desire to simply abide in Jesus. And so over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to continue on this theme. And so next week, I want to dig a little bit more into what it means to abide. And, and the week after that, we're going to dig a bit more into what, what fruitful looks like in Jesus. So we're going to basically go through this passage twice again over the next week. And next, next two weeks, next week, we're just going to look at what's, what's Jesus saying about abiding here? I promise it's not just going to be repeating this same message for the third time. But there might be bits of it. And then the next week, we're going to go through the same passage and we're going to look at what, what's Jesus saying about fruitfulness? What, what kind of fruitfulness is Jesus talking about here? 
But this morning, I just want to, for a couple of moments, dig into this word, abide. And so the, the word abide in the original Greek is menon, and it's a verb. That's, that's a, a doing word, that's a, an active word. And so that, that's, that's why I personally prefer the word abide, because to me at least, and I'm not a, a, a linguist, but to me at least this idea of abiding is, a, is an active thing, but I can remain somewhere and just be sitting on my backside doing nothing. But the point is, regardless of what English word we use, the word that Jesus used was a verb. It was an active word. It was something to be done, not the absence of doing. And so when we think about abiding, it's not sitting on our backside doing nothing. Sometimes to other people who are caught up in busyness and activity and striving, your abiding might look like doing nothing. And they might get frustrated at you. One of the examples of, of abiding that we're about to look at is, is the story of a sister getting frustrated at her, her, her sister because she's abiding in Jesus and the other sister's frustrated because she's caught up in the doing. So abiding is certainly not doing nothing. It's an active thing. It's something we pursue. But sometimes to those who are on the hamster wheel, it looks like sitting still. It's an active word. It's, it's about pursuing connection. It's pursuing intimacy. It's pursuing deeper with Jesus and closer. And so I do want to just touch on a few biblical examples. Some of these are pre-Jesus, but, it, but it's that idea of, of abiding in the presence of God. And so in Exodus 33, 11, we're told the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as to one, as one sorry, speaks to a friend. And so Moses had this close connection and relationship with the presence of the Lord, with the Lord himself. Then Moses would return to the camp. And so these, these meetings, these face-to-face interactions between Moses and the Lord happened in what they called the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So Moses had close relationship, but he would have that conversation with the Lord and then he would re- return to camp, but we're told. But his young aide... His PA, his shield bearer, his assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And so Joshua was the aide of Moses. Not that Moses was the king, but he was the leader, the prophet of Israel, and, and, and uh, enough to say that, that Joshua wasn't next, necessarily next in line for leadership if, if they were to pursue a hierarchical kind of thing. But, but the story continues, if you're not familiar with it, Joshua is the one who, not Moses, not someone else who's more positioned politically, so to speak, to lead Israel into the promised land. Not, no one else, but it's Joshua who becomes the leader of Israel into the promised land. But his life was based on these years of being the aid of Moses. Being there when Moses spoke to the Lord as face to face and then Moses went back to do the leading. It's not a critique on Moses, not saying he should have stayed in the tent because there came a time when Joshua left the tent to lead Israel. But while he could, Joshua chose just to stay there in the presence of the Lord. 
Now we know God is everywhere. It's bad theology to say he's not. But the scriptures paint such a clear picture of times and moments and places where his presence is manifest, is tangible. And so that's what we're talking about here. Joshua was a man who said, I'm, I'm going to stay here. You go do your thing. And when you think about it, would that make him a good assistant? I wonder how many times Moses was, where's Joshua? Obviously, I'm going outside the, the literal text here. We don't know this, but, but maybe sometimes there was times where others were frustrated with Joshua because they're not where the human expectations would have placed him, but he had placed himself in the presence of the Lord, abiding there and remaining there. Because the world's priority is not on abiding in Jesus. That's why it's so important that ours resolutely is. In Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8, the, the prophet is speaking the words of the Lord and he, and he says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like trees planted by the water. And so here, here the water, and, and often throughout scriptures, is, is not just a reference to a literal river, but to the, the, the flow of the Spirit of God. And so those who trust in the Lord will be like people planted by the water, by the Spirit, that sends out its roots into the streams. That's how trees anchor themselves in and seek out nutrients. They, they're planted by the water, but, but these trees, those who trust in the Lord, are like those who, who send out their tendrils towards the presence of God. And so the result is this kind of tree that prioritizes its positioning, its placement next to the Lord's presence, that reaches out towards it to, to draw nutrients and, and sustenance and refreshing from that place. This kind of tree does not fear when the heat comes. We're in the midst of a, a severe drought and, and even where rivers beds are dry the trees that are doing the best are still the ones next to the rivers because they've reached out towards that refreshing and and we know that that goes deep below the soil and so when we're planted when we when our sustenance when our refreshing comes from the spirit of god we won't fear when the heat comes or trial comes these kind of trees their leaves are always green they have no worries in a year of drought and they never fail to bear fruit. And so here, even by Jesus' standards in Jesus' times, this is, this is an ancient word from God. And the Lord is saying through the prophets, those who plant themselves in next to position themselves in my presence will never fail to be fruitful. It's not about how hard the tree tries to be fruitful, it's about where it's positioned and, and what it draws its sustenance from. In Luke 10, 39, this is that story of sisters that I was talking about. Uh, it's Mary and Martha and, and the context here is that Jesus has come for dinner. Martha is really busy trying to be fruitful, trying to serve Jesus, trying to bless him, trying to put food on Jesus' table. 
She's working hard in the kitchen for God, for Jesus. She's serving the Lord. And Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And so for those who who perhaps don't know the story or would like a reminder, Martha comes out to Mary and says, Get off your backside! She actually talks to Jesus, not Mary. She complains that from her eyes it looks like Mary is doing nothing. But Mary wasn't doing nothing. She had positioned herself in the proximity of Jesus. She chose to place herself as close to Jesus as she could. We we might picture this as Jesus sitting on a chair. Above Mary, with Mary down there, at his feet, but chairs were a rare thing in Jesus' day. It's most likely that Jesus was also sitting on the floor, that Mary was sitting as close as she possibly could be to Jesus. She, she wasn't doing nothing, she had chosen her position next to Jesus in his presence. She wasn't doing nothing, she was listening to his word. It's a big part of how we abide in Jesus is, is we listen to his word. And so Mary, Martha gets upset and, and, and talks to Jesus and says, tell her to get up and get to work. But Jesus says, she's chosen what's best and that will not be taken from her. And so if your priorities, your vision, if our vision as a, as a church is we're, we're going to prioritize abiding in Jesus, We're going to position ourselves in his presence. We're going to linger there. There may be those who, who, even within us, who who feel the sense of, oh, we we need to be doing something. But Jesus says that is, in fact, choosing what's best and it will not be taken from us. So if you choose to abide in Jesus as your priority, that will not be taken from you. That does not mean that you won't encounter those and even your own thoughts that seek to take that from you. But if you pursue abiding in Jesus, it will not be taken from you. A final example. In John 13, 23. This is at the Last Supper uh, in in the the, Apostle, the disciple John's account of the Last Supper. It says, one of them, the disciple who Jesus, whom Jesus loved, that's John's code for himself. I've said this before, I said this on Vision Sunday and that wasn't the first time I've said it. How many of the disciples did Jesus love? All of them, even Judas. If Judas was the disciple whom Jesus loved, then the times that we think we've been so naughty that Jesus couldn't possibly still love us, we're wrong. We are all disciples whom Jesus loved. The thing is, John got it. 
he understood that. He, he realised, of course, there's a little bit of trying to remain anonymous in the story, so Jesus is, is the story, not John, but, but he realised the fact that he was a disciple, that means he was a follower of Jesus, whom Jesus loved, was more important than what his name might be. It was more important than any other descriptor about him, though, though it wasn't particularly unique. And John, don't get me wrong, had a very intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what this verse is about. But, but the fact that he was loved by Jesus wasn't unique, but he knew that that was the most important thing about him. And so part of what it means to abide in Jesus is simply to know that, that there's so many wonderful and fantastic things about who you are, but the most important thing about you is that you're a disciple whom Jesus loves. Like that song we sing about the Father, you're a good, good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, that's who I am, that's who I am, that's who I am. We sing that to remind ourselves that that's the, the most important thing that's true about us. But it says one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. If we were to translate this Greek verse, the original ancient Greek words that, that John wrote, it says that he was not reclining next to him, it says literally that he was reclining on the bosom of Jesus. Right up here in his chest. Again, they're sitting on the floor, they're not sitting on chairs, they're, they're sitting around a low table and, and John has not just positioned himself as Mary did next to Jesus at his feet as, as close as she could get without touching him. John at this point in his journey with Jesus, aware that Jesus loves him. Aware that the most valuable thing in his life is the presence of Jesus. He, he's not just next to, he's literally reclining on top of Jesus. This word bosom, and you know, I get that in English, that we, re we translate that as next to. We're a bit more comfortable with the idea of next to than reclining in the bosom of Jesus. But in Greek, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word of deep intimacy. It's not just an anatomical phrase of the positioning, it's a word of, of deep intimacy. That's why when Jesus was revealing things to him and the disciples have got questions, Peter says to him, John, you ask him. Because Peter, though close to Jesus, he's, he's more caught up in this stage of his life in the, we've just got to do it for Jesus. We'll go with you to the death, Jesus, but then when death is threatened, whew, Peter's at this stage more caught up in the, what he can do for Jesus. But he can see. John's got a connection in relationship with Jesus here that I don't yet personally experience. It was available to him. And so he says, you ask him. And so these are four pictures. They're not the only pictures the Bible gives us and we're going to be you know, bringing out more of this through the year. And as I said, we're going to dig more into this word abide next week. But I just wanted to, to share those four pictures again of, of different examples of what it looks like to abide in Jesus. If we're going to learn to do that for ourselves, we, we need examples, we need teachers, we need people to, to follow our behaviour on from so that, that we can know, well, it looks like Joshua just choosing, I'm going to stay. 
I'm not going to leave. Because he's better. It, it looks like being a tree. If you can imagine yourself a tree, back to your high school drama classes, everyone be a tree. But it looks like being a tree is not just choosing to be planted anywhere, it's choosing to plant yourself next to the river of the Holy Spirit to position yourself adjacent to God's presence and to reach out and that be the place of refreshing in your life. It looks like Mary sitting as close to Jesus as possible and listening to his words. It looks like John pursuing and just dwelling in intimacy with Jesus. And so we're going to learn to abide and be fruitful. We're going to pursue abiding in Jesus and learning to do that in a deeper way this year as our, as our vision, then it also is helpful to think briefly about what doesn't it look like. It doesn't look like being disengaged in our faith. That's not a word of condemnation. But abiding is the opposite of being disengaged. It doesn't look like being disconnected. It doesn't look like being easily dislodged. And so one of the things about the tree next to the river is it's deeply planted there and so wind and drought and, and all of the things that come against it do not easily dislodge it. But we live in a society, a culture where we're programmed, TV, social media, they're not all evil things I'm saying, but there's so many distractions that can dislodge us from the choice to abide. And so abiding looks like choosing to not be easily dislodged. Not disconnected from the world, but not easily dislodged. It looks like not filling, it doesn't look like filling the space of our personal lives and the space of the church with, with lots of noise and distraction. And by that I'm not meaning a baby crying. We love the cry of babies in the life of the church because that means the church is alive. I'm talking about noise in inverted commas stuff that distracts and, and, and gets in the way of simply just focusing on Jesus. We can fill the church, we can fill our life with so much stuff, but that's not what abiding looks like. Even on a Sunday morning, there's, there's so many things, even though this, this moment in our week that we purpose to come and worship God, there, there's so many things that can distract us from that single-minded devotion of, I am here to worship Jesus. Regardless of who you are, even if you're the pastor, there, there's so much stuff that can get in the way of just, I'm here to worship Jesus. And often it's good things. I want to talk to that person because they're awesome and that person because they're awesome. And hey, there's that guy and there's that beautiful woman of God and I just want to talk. But that's not bad stuff, but do you get what I'm saying? There's so much that can get in the way and distract us and dislodge us from worshipping Jesus and abiding in Him. And so Christy already touched on... I had one. Here we are. On our devotional booklets. And, and so we do this every year, regardless of whether it's a, the, the, the vision is abide or not. But, but this is a real opportunity at the start of our, our launch kind of give ourselves a grace period in January, but the start of our launch, wherever we're at in our devotional life, it's, it's a great opportunity just to set in aside a daily practice of abiding in Jesus. 
the fasting side of that can sometimes be a bit scary when, if you've not experienced fasting before. And typically, uh, you know, biblically, that often is a reference to fasting from food, abstaining from food. But, but what we encourage you here to do is not to ignore that if God's calling you to fast from food. But, but what we encourage you to do is, is to think about what are those things in life that you seek comfort in that aren't Jesus? What do you abide in that isn't the presence of the Lord? What do you use to distract yourself from life to disrupt your life, that isn't Jesus. And, and so I encourage you to prayerfully consider, what am I going to fast from? That might be for the whole 21 days, that, that might be for part of it. But really, it's a, it's a choice to go, well, my priority for this 21 days, and we hope it flows beyond that, is to abide in Jesus. So what's going to get in the way? Or what's going to create space for me to do that? And so if you haven't got one, I encourage you to grab one. And, and, and the, part of the power of this, it, you might think, well, I've already got a great devotional life. I'm already up at 2 in the morning. I'm not up at 2 in the morning. I'm already up at 2 in the morning. Uh, I'm already doing 17 hours of prayer and, and, and Bible reading before I head out to the office. I know my numbers don't add up. <laughs> but the, part of the power of this is even though we're not necessarily chatting about it all the time, part of the power is we're all literally on the same page together as a church. We're all abiding in the same thoughts and actions and I believe there's power in that. So I encourage you to grab hold of that. There's more details about what fasting looks like. If you want to try fasting from food, there's some advice in there and a bit of a plan to go about that. But um, what I want to do as we finish our time here uh, together this morning, part of Kids Church being back on is that we... We need to honour our finish time. But uh, what I want to do this morning is we're going to leave that slide on the screen for a moment. We are going to sing a final song to finish off. But just for a few minutes, we're going to leave that slide on the screen. And so what this slide is, what that banner at the back wall is, is, is basically a thesaurus splattered on the page of words that are around the idea of what it means to abide. And so... As Carl and Eliza play a moment, what we're going to do is you can stay seating. We're just going to linger. We might even turn the lights off for a few moments, Pete. Um, Christy already used that word this morning, linger. Um, but are the words that are shaped around abide uh, that are part of that word cloud? The one that God, I feel God's impressing on, on me at the moment is just that word linger which just means just just to stay a moment longer but maybe there's another word that jumps out of that for you that as we linger that that god will speak to you about and just go maybe he wants you to to nest in his presence what's it look like for you to nest and so carl's going to play and we're just going to linger for a moment we've got a few minutes I'm just going to linger for a moment. I'm going to pray and I just will invite the Holy Spirit's presence to come and, and just speak to you in His voice through what's on the screen. Maybe a word will jump out. And we're just going to linger with that word. Mm, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and manifest your presence amongst us this morning.
We want to be as trees, not planted off in a paddock somewhere, but planted by your stream, planted in your presence, drawing our life from you. We want to be as branches grafted into the vine of Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, as we linger in this moment for a a moment, I, I invite you to come and just speak to us. Highlight some of the words on the screen to us that, that will just capture our heart this morning for what it means for us individually, for each of us to abide. And Holy Spirit, if there's a word that's not on the screen, but, but you just want to capture our hearts with it this morning, I would pray that you just speak that word straight into our heart. Spirit, the world awaits. Our jobs, our school, our careers, our relationships await. But we just choose in this moment to linger in your presence together. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.